The Scooby Doo's and don't. 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 Hello. Hope you're not upset that we've had a bit of a delay <laughs> in getting episode two of season two up. We regret that it has taken this long. We I'm Trish and I'm Siobhan. And we are Scooby-Doo's and Don'ts. We are back. And better than ever. (laughs) Both mental health-wise and podcast-wise. So this week, we are reviewing one of the more unique films in the Scooby-Doo multiverse. Very niche. The crossover that nobody asked for, really. So, Shiv, do you want to get us started off with the summary this week? Yes. So, this movie, it felt like an extended advert for WWE, which is like a wrestling thing. We don't actually know what WWE stands for. I don't, what I guess it was like Worldwide Wrestling Extraordinaire or Extravaganza. <laughs> extravaganza. We think at least one of the W's is <laughs> wrestling. But the only WW that I know is the next one in the alphabet, WWF, Worldwide Wildlife Fund. Wait, <laughs> World Wildlife Fund. There's a lot of life involved, but not that much. I was really worried that when we got back to recording, I wouldn't know how to speak. And it turns out that my fears have been very founded. No, I think I'm the one who can't speak. But anyway. Back to the summary. So it begins with Scooby and Shaggy playing this WWE video game. And they have gotten the highest score ever. So when they get to the end screen, it has a competition announcement saying that they've won and they get to go to WWE land, which is where all the wrestlers and wrestling people live. So they're all excited. They convince the gang to go to wrestling world. And meet John Cena. And um, they go, but on the way there, there is a terrifying lava bear who was attacking all the wrestlers and climbing up a giant cutout of John Cena's shapely legs. <laughs> the bear ends up stealing the golden WWE belt. You know, the really big one that looks like a giant watch, but it's massive and it's got no clock on it. And then there's a plot for the electromagnetic field to wipe out WrestleMania and ruin it forever. So they have to unmask the bear to save WrestleMania and also defend Scooby's innocence because he is falsely accused of the crime of stealing the golden belt. Yeah, I think that's right. It's WWE City, which I want to explore later (laughs) because the idea of having a city-state purely founded around one activity is a really interesting concept. But we'll get into the iron grip that Mr. McCohen has over this city later in the podcast. The first thing I want to say about this film is I wrestled with my emotions (laughs) during it because it's certainly a film which I think is overall quite true to Scooby-Doo canon. Yeah. Of the ones we've seen, I think it's very loyal to the original ideas of the male characters, however the female characters not so much, I found. Mm. It is 2D animation, but that somehow the female characters were flasher than 2D. It's one-dimensional thing. Yeah, and I also found it really interesting that the film was intensely homoerotic. <laughs> really was. There's even a scene where one of the wrestlers is basically having his face just mushed into the crotch of the other wrestler. And it's just... There's a lot of very sensual, sexy scenes. One wrestler has a tiny target on his tiny, tiny little speedo underpants. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was, um... This was not how to wrestle in a God-honouring way, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) 
And speaking of God honouring, this film also introduces a sixth member of the gang. And his name is John C. John Cena! (laughs) (laughs) Who not only is the clearly most painstakingly animated character in the film, where at one point the moonlight gleams off his chiselled abs. And there's multiple scenes where like you get like a close-up of his unconscious face where he's knocked out while the gang is in the bear's cave. And you can see all of the details of his face so lovingly drawn <laughs> by the animators. And these are the same animators who literally gave like zero thought to most of the backgrounds in the film, apart from the woodland sequences, which are beautifully hand-painted. <laughs> However, most of the rest of the film looks like it could have been done in MS Paint. <laughs> I think this film could best be described as just a love letter to John Cena. Everything he does is framed as not only beautiful and graceful, but heroic and strong. And considered and intelligent. John Cena is doing the work of the entire gang all by himself. He even takes over Fred's role in the gang of coming up with the plan in order to capture the monster at the end and save WWE City from almost certain destruction. I mean, it's John Cena that subdues the bear in the end. I mean, Scooby takes the final blow, but John Cena is the real hero. I have to wonder if that was the true cost of making this film, and that John Cena was like, I'm gonna do it, but I want to be the best. (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know a single fact about John Cena except for the fact that he was invisible for a little while or something. But he certainly was very visible and present (laughs) in this film. Uh, He was... A charming addition to this film, but somewhat, maybe too much. Speaking of not visible, (laughs) though, I'd like to turn to your point you raised a little bit earlier about female characters. Mm. There are several points where Daphne looks like she may be part of the crudely painted background (laughs) herself, because she will literally just not be animated. She'll just stand there still. Mm -hmm. And Daphne in this film, we've covered in the past in this podcast that we see Daphne not just as a pretty face in the gang, but as an integral member who often is the bravest or is Mm. the fighter or comes up with a lot of those perceptive emotional intelligence points driving the core motivations of a villain that the others may miss or not pick up on. And in this film, John Cena does all of those things. (laughs) John Cena can't be the full emotional intelligence of the team, but he was. And that left, honestly, with all of the male characters being so fleshed out, it almost felt like this was a movie for little boys and the female characters were kind of written in as an afterthought. Yeah. Daphne spends most of the film fangirling over John Cena and texting him and being his little cheerleader and just doing nothing of any real consequence or importance. She had so few lines, I wonder if she wasn't even written into the scenes and they just kind of remember that she was there, so they animated her in the background. Similarly, Velma also didn't really play much of a role in this movie either, which I thought was a really quite a missed opportunity because the villain in this film, who we'll get to in a little bit, is actually quite technologically gifted, <laughs> as it were. And usually it's Velma's role to pick up on how all of that works, but again, 
she mm. kind of doesn't really do anything. She lost her role to John Cena again. And I have to say, if your film not only cannot pass the Bechdel test, but also can have every single female character adequately replaced with John Cena, <laughs> you have not made a feminist film. <laughs> no, this was not a feminist film at all. The whole thing was very, like, overly macho. Like, even the opening credits, there were big explosions and the stars and stripes were hard. To the point where, in the beginning, you even thought it might be a confederate flag in the background. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't, to clarify. Like, there are some issues we have with this film, but racism isn't really one of them. I don't know if I would agree with that, necessarily. I do find it interesting how of the two black characters in the film, one of them had to be the villain. That is true, actually. Shall we talk about the villain for a little bit then? Yeah, yeah. So, the villain in this film is a character called Cookie. Oh wow, this actually is quite yeah, racist, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, so Cookie is an uncle-slash-caretaker type character who was one of the WWE greats when he was young. However, he injured his leg and has to wear a knee brace in order to walk properly. And he has a nephew called Ruben, nicknamed Ruby. And he is heavily encouraging Ruben to go into STEM. And he constantly talks about how WWE is dangerous and how you get the general sense that although he trains all these wrestlers in how to be great at WWE tournaments, he himself holds contempt towards the institution as a whole. And ultimately, he is the villain. So like many Scooby-Doo villains, he seizes onto an urban legend about a bear which has a bone to pick with <laughs> WWE. <laughs> And then creates a costume based around that bear in order to wreak havoc and chaos and panic at the WWE final, which mysteriously includes Shaggy and Scooby as core competitors, <laughs> even though they are not wrestlers. It has to do with the legal system of Wrestling City or whatever it's called. WWE City. WWE City. I'll get it eventually. Yeah, so that's the thing. Shaggy and Scooby, when Scooby comes to the town, he's already been hypnotized by the video game with all the moves that he needs to do in order to steal the WrestleMania belt from a laser security vault. So the reason that Shaggy and Scooby are in the final is that when they were competing in this video game, like I mentioned before, Cookie had actually retrofitted the game with subliminal hypnotic clues coming in, you know, like flashes of light when characters move, which trained Scooby to be an evil pawn capable of the delicate aerobatics <laughs> required in order to steal the belt from its security case. However, despite this extremely convoluted <laughs> plan, we recognised that it was going to be either Cookie or Ruby about 23 minutes into the film. And I think the thing that gave away that it was going to be Cookie is that the bear had its bones on the outside, which I assume is a cinematic parallel to the brace around his leg. That was very well spotted. I remember <laughs> thinking, wow, what an astute observation. And I think as well, like now that we know that the film is intensely macho, intensely kind of not anti-woman, mm. but women are either barriers to things getting done. In the case of the head of security, Miss mm. Richards, who is cruel to Scooby and cruel to the gang, or they're just kind of annoying in there, like Velma mm. and Daphne. And this undercurrent of homoeroticism yet somehow intense hyper masculinity that we've talked mm -hmm. about this is actually quite a problematic movie 
yeah, I mean, this is a lot more... <laughs> It's a lot more complex than I had initially realised when I was watching it. Although it did strike me immediately. As soon as... I assumed it was Ruben who was going to be the villain, but I was immediately really uncomfortable with that. Just the way they built that up to have all of these men who have this masculine hobby and then have this black man, somehow it's not okay for him to be masculine. I just... it didn't sit well with me. There was also a red herring thrown in as well, which was a much more typical Scooby-Doo villain approach to take, where the woods are owned by an old man who has a pet raccoon that steals. And is also really buff. Like, at mm -hmm. one point, the raccoon has a clearly visible six-pack. Yeah, this is what we mean by, like, extreme machoism. <laughs> Even the raccoon has, like, biceps. Yeah, exactly. But the old man at some point says that he doesn't want the team to go to WWE City because the city receiving more fans feeds the beast. Which is supposed to sound like it's about the lava bear, but it's actually about the fact that the city is starting to impinge on this old man's land and he's heavily against that happening. Which goes back to the anti-capitalist roots that we typically you know, like notice throughout the films, no matter what the theme is, no matter what the crossover is, we have this anti-capitalist angle but in this film, it's anti-WWE, but also incredibly pro-WWE. And I think the film gets a little bit muddled about which side it's really on. Yeah. I think that having John Cena be, like, the main hero swayed it more onto the positive side. The villain hates WWE, which I think really pushes that the film is on the side of WWE. However, the only reason he hates WWE... <laughs> I'm sorry, there's not that many W's. <laughs> the only reason the villain hates WWE is that it used his body for entertainment, then pushed him until he broke. Mm -hmm. Like, his body was literally broken by the system which he was a part of, which shows a quite sinister side. And just a quick side note, I found out what WWE stands for, and it's actually World Wrestling Entertainment, so we were not that far off. <laughs> One of the W's wasn't even like, <laughs> you are the real detective here. But yeah, I mean, I think that this film overall, do we know when it was made? 2013. A troubled year. It really was. And this is not surprising that this piece of media came out of 2013. I think that was when a lot of that kind of thing was being made. On the back of that, was the John Cena meme about him being invisible and coming out of nowhere, did that originate in 2013? I have no idea. I didn't know about this until I sent someone a picture of a John Cena bedspread and they said, where's the bed? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> because at multiple points in the film, John Cena will like jump out of nowhere and save the day. Almost as if he's coming out of the shadows invisible. In fact, the only time in the film where John Cena's theme music plays is when Daphne texts him while you're on the run from a whole bunch of boulders that the old farmer shot a shotgun at to create a landslide. And John Cena comes out of nowhere and stops the boulder with his bare hands. And also is able to defy the laws of physics by literally breaking a cave. In the caving scene, Scooby and Shaggy use John Cena as a raft and he doesn't even wake up. Exactly. He, his body must be made of stone. It's a good thing John Cena isn't the villain in this film because the gang wouldn't have stood a chance. He would be a formidable foe. While we're on the topic of toxic masculinity, I just want to really quickly touch on Fred. Mm. Because in this film, Fred is genuinely 
quite a nice guy. I had no qualms whatsoever with Fred's no. behaviour. He was into photography. He didn't really display any toxic traits. He was just there to take photos and have a good time. And he was quite sweet. The only time where he displayed any kind of annoyance towards a member of the gang was when Daphne kept blocking his shots because she was <laughs> trying to set a thirst trap for John Cena. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a sentence I hoped not to be saying in 2020, the year of our Lord. Fred even sleeps on the couch and gives Scooby the bed. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. He is kind and good and probably the only, besides John Cena, the only positive <laughs> male role model in the film. I guess there's one part where he's going out to, I think, patrol the grounds and take photos and he's like, I'm going to lock the door to make sure you guys are safe in here. Bye, guys. And it's just such a touching and nurturing moment. Exactly. It doesn't work because that's the night Scooby broke out and in his hypnotic state stole the WWE ballot. But the thought was there. <laughs> yeah. Fred in this universe, in this movie... He's he can stay, I like him. And I think that goes to show that even though we're definitely seeing that this film has kind of like regressed in some ways back towards hyper-masculinity, I suspect that we're going to see a trend in movies which are more recent of Fred mm. being much more in touch with mm. his empathetic side and showing a genuine sense of leadership, which we wouldn't have seen in films such as Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters mm. Unleashed, where this hyper-masculinity leaks into live-action Scooby as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that this is probably the beginning of the era where they were fleshing a lot of the characters out and they maybe started with Fred and gave him a softer side and maybe even a more interesting side. Just giving him a hobby kind of endeared him to me. But they definitely fell flat when it came to fleshing out some of the other characters. Even Shaggy is pretty one note in this film. During the sequence where they are trying to capture the bear in a WWE cage fight with like fire and like multiple wrestlers involved, Shaggy is literally choking on the side for like 15 minutes and doesn't move, yet somehow wins the overall WWE final equal with Scooby. Even though Scooby did all the work and Shaggy was just being asphyxiated by the wrestling ring wires. Ropes? I think they're called are they ropes or wires? I think they're ropes because it would have really hurt to fall into a wire like yeah. that. You know the stringy things that are around the wrestling square? Yeah, the bungees. <laughs> the bungees. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> Neither do I, but I hope they're called bungees because that's quite fun. <laughs> it's zesty. Zingy. Thrilling. Zoinks. <laughs> But overall, I think that this film was pretty weak. Like, mm. what do you think you would rate it? I don't know. I had a really... On one hand, I found it entertaining enough. But on the other, I think the addition of John Cena kind of overshadowed every other character. It's to the point where they were all really quite empty and one-dimensional because they worked so hard on fleshing out John Cena. Even the animation of John Cena was better than any other character. He had proper eyebrows. So I think I'm going to give it a two jinkies out of five. I'm going to give my rating in the form of interpretive dance. <laughs> <laughs> like Sincera, which was a wrestler who was like, I think I think he's a real life one. I'm not really sure. But he never spoke in the entire film. He just interpretive dance and John Cena had to interpret all of his moves. So in that form, I'm going to dance <laughs> out my rating. And Shiv, you were going to interpret and tell our audience what I decided to give this film. Alright, naturally. Trish says minus 
412 and a half. I gave half back for the interpretive dancing because it did cut through a bit of that hyper-masculinity there. I also want to give a special shout out to having the line computers that's the ticket ruby in a film that was made in 2013 computers what were your like general grievances of like what would you have changed if i was going to change this film there are a couple of things i would start with the first is that i would really like to see the governing system of this city fleshed out a little bit more why is wwe contained to one city is it so that like the farmer says it can all be kept away from everything else so no one else gets infected by the hyper masculinity <laughs> everyone seems to show because all the wrestlers live in one small compound what does everyone else in the city do is it their full-time job to go along and watch games and be professional fans i would really like those questions to be answered is mr mccann an elected mayor or <laughs> or is he a merely like an evil tyrant holding over the city-state in his large, meaty fist? <laughs> a little bit of world-building would have endeared me to this film more. And of course, I think the biggest bone to pick bone. <laughs> <laughs> that I have with this movie is not only the troubling undertones, but also the fact that it's not really a film which the gang members overall felt particularly central to. You really could have had only Shaggy and Scooby go along in this movie and had the other three not come, and it really wouldn't have made that much difference to the outcome. Even taking it a step further and having none of the characters there and have it be John Cena fighting a fire bear. Exactly. <laughs> it wouldn't change the plot much. And I would have probably flipped my score to being positive because then the movie wouldn't have been pretending to be something it's not. <laughs> I just wish there had been like a scene where they walk in and John Cena's looking all pale and they're like, oh my god, John, are you okay? You look like you've seen a ghost. Oh my god. <laughs> now I'm gonna revise my score back down to near 1,412 <laughs> for missing that prime opportunity that Shib's just mentioned. Uh, it was just, I was waiting and it never came. <laughs> I yeah. think as well, the overall messages in this film relatively confused like is it pro wwe is it anti wwe is it pro video game or is it anti video game these were things which i thought the film could have been clearer on mm -hmm. because it was very morally gray <laughs> it was a mess i think it had promise for the scooby films of the future but it was not it it was not it indeed <laughs> yeah i I think that covers all of my thoughts on the movie. There is one scene <laughs> in this film which is truly worth watching. And it's this one wrestler who, you know how they've all got their own like gimmick? Well, this guy, he has one of his hands as a sock puppet. <laughs> and in the one scene you see him, he uses his sock puppet to sock another man in the jaw. And I thought that was beautiful. That was the best scene in the movie. You're absolutely right. On that note, we will see you soon. Or hear us yeah. soon. You won't see us. <laughs> so have a lovely week. Yeah, au revoir, my friends. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs>